Hey guys, I'm Larry Joe Campbell. I play Jordan Peoples on the podcast, and I just wanted to give you all a heads up about the quality of today's episode. So, like everyone else out there, we're quarantining, so we're recording in a different format than we normally are, and that's led to a couple of difficulties that you'll notice as you listen to this week's episode. There's a lot of great content here, though, so we wanted to keep it, but uh, just bear that in mind as you listen. Um, Also, at the end, the audio for one of the recordings cuts out, so then you'll just hear myself uh, and the actor that plays Cade, uh, Jim Belushi, and uh, that'll go on until the end of the episode. Uh, So thanks for bearing with us, and enjoy the show. Good afternoon, I'm Jordan Peoples, and Marvel Sucks. I'm Cade Weiberg, and no it doesn't. Welcome to Marvel Sucks vs. No It Doesn't, edition three, uh, quarantine edition. Uh, This is our, I think, week seven into this uh, chaos, and we are here. The only light at the end of the tunnel is being able to know that uh, Black Widow is coming out one day. Uh, Monday. Not to mention, uh, there's some other other fun uh, scheduling stuff, Uh, but... Uh, I called a fellow uh, Marvel enthusiast uh, to add to our long roster of guests to the show, and she has a lot of hot takes to add about Marvel, so without further ado, I'd like to introduce Ali Butrago. Hello, thanks for having me again. I'm very excited well, to be here. So, we're so happy to have you. You did call in once or twice on a previous episode. Yes, from the streets of New York. I have called yes. in several times. Uh, that's right. Uh, you are a friend of our... Um, fellow uh, star, not co-star, Patrick Fitzsimmons has also been on the show, and you know him. Yes, friend of the pod. Yes, uh, so he, uh, we just had him on to watch the second third of Legion, which was another successful episode. <laughs> Have you watched Legion, Allie? I watched, I want to say the first half of season one. All right, farther than Jordan and Patrick so far. Yeah, it was fine. I think it was really uh, masturbatory, let's say. Uh, Are you a Noah Hawley fan? I, I am. I, I like Noah Hawley. I think I wasn't on the same acid trip he was, therefore I didn't entirely enjoy everything that was going on, and I kind of gave up on it. Okay, that's fair. It is a unique... I really just like it because I love X-Men, and it's kind of a unique, never-been-done X-Men story. No, I agree. I love X-Men, and I, 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 and I love Dan Stevens, and I love Aubrey Plaza, and all oh. of the possibilities that that affords, but I, I, it just didn't hit didn't hit right for me dan stevens is the coolest man in the world would you agree i mean he who's dan stevens he's legion in that show but he also plays other cool people in other movies downton abbey sir oh let us never forget downtown abbey i have not seen it uh more familiar with abbey road the beatles record um (laughs) do they they share a name like is that word association is that where uh Downtown Abbey uh, happened. No, like, on Abbey Road, down, 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 Downtown Abbey is in Yorkshire, which is far, far north of London, which is where Abbey Road is. <laughs> okay, so do you, do you do you think there's no relation at all to this? I mean, they go to London because they are society people, but that is the extent of it. Did one of them, like one of the higher ups, like die on that road, and then they called it that? No, but. Uh, Dan Stevens' character, Matthew Crowley, did die in a horrible car accident on a road. So. Spoilers. Wow. Whew, me and Jordan were actually going to have a binge fest after this. Yeah. It's okay. Um, I won't tell you when it happens. He almost dies many times. <laughs> what, a, what a cool character. The very violent <laughs> show I've heard. Yeah. It's wow. not a death. Uh, Allie, where do you stand on, because uh, I've actually, so, so do you enjoy The Crown as well? 
I do enjoy The Crown. I liked, obviously, season one very much and season two a lot because Matthew Good is amazing. Uh, season three, I haven't even watched, even though I love everybody involved. I just, like, I felt like I didn't feel, I, I don't know, I, I, I wasn't compelled to watch the third one. Doesn't uh, Michael C. Hall plays JFK or something? Yeah, right? that was, yeah, he was, he was a good JFK. I think the lady who played Jackie was really great, actually. She okay. Really I mean, if it. I was going to watch The Crown, it would be because Dexter's in it. Of course. I think Jordan would say the same. No. And not because of John Lithgow playing Winston Churchill? Oh, yeah. No, I did. I do love John Lithgow. He's a great character in Dexter as well. That's a good point. Um, so, Ali, uh, you and I met in college uh, on the university program board, as so many of our other <laughs> guests have met me. Um, but the three of us, you, me, and Jordan, were in a class alongside uh, Patrick and Liam uh, that we have discussed on the show, uh, run by a Richard Goffrin. Patrick wasn't in class with us, though. Wasn't Correct. It? So he was he in his took it. He took the same class and talked. He knew about all the films before I watched them. So I would like talk to him in the UPB office before that, and I'd be like, "Oh, going to watch fucking Days of Heaven." He's like, "Oh man, you're in for such a treat." And, and then you were. I and I hated. Well, actually, no, because you were late, so you didn't understand. What I was don't remember being late. This came up last time. Absolutely were late, late, but whatever. <laughs> sure, I don't remember being late. Uh, so. Uh, Ali, uh, we had Liam on the show recently, and either this previous time or the time before, he coined a term called the Goffrin Divide, which is a very real uh, stance that we have on films. You're either with Goffrin or without Goffrin. And for sure, that's true of anyone. Uh, <laughs> you share their opinion or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but it's the specific set of films, because, uh, I mean, he showed us Pulp Fiction, he showed us Days of Heaven, he showed us... Uh, what else was in that class? The piano. Weird. Daisy's was terrible. Uh, but the best yeah. director name ever, Vida Chitlova. Oh. Is that better than, uh, I'm trying to think of another director's name, Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, it's so much more fun to say. <laughs> I don't know. Tarantino kind of. Tarantino is a pretty fun one. Yeah, that's that's kind of got a roll to it. It sounds, like, like, a more fun. It sounds like a brand of pizza rolls. Well, sort of. Uh, where do you stand on the Goffrin divide? Listen, I excelled in Goffrin's class because I know how to speak bullshit to the professor and how he <laughs> grades. Therefore, I recall many times writing my essays literally 30 seconds before we had to walk into class and then getting an A and you would spend all night writing your diatribes about uh, Christopher Nolan Batman, and get a yeah. C at best. <laughs> now, that's a boring name. Yeah. <laughs> but what a great paper I wrote. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was admirable because it was only gonna, there's no way he was gonna like it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought, and it was funny because uh, my paper, which I brought up on the podcast, was how each. Uh, Christopher Nolan Batman film, Batman plays a different representation of the Holy Trinity. So in the first one, he's yeah. the Holy Spirit. In the second one, he is it's God. In the, in the third one. Yeah. Well, Jordan pitched me this idea because I had no idea what I was going to write about. And we were drinking one night. Uh, we were drinking, yeah, in uh, Stonegate in the apartment complex. And he's like, uh, I think he's like, or we were watching Dark Knight or something. He's like, Batman is very God in this movie. And then... Uh, Somehow we made another connection. Like he walked on water in the third one, uh, and Jordan's like, 
I have never thought about this, but that argument could definitely be made. And I was like, I'm going to write five pages of it, and Garfin's going to fucking love it because it's art. Uh, and me and Liam, Liam wrote one about Clerks 1. Uh, we spent an entire 12 hours in the Grafton projection booth, uh, and both of us got C's on our papers. <laughs> Whereas you guys probably wrote about some dumb movie that has is full of water, as he loves. Yeah. I genuinely I don't remember what what I wrote about for Goffrin's class, like for that essay that you wrote about, that you both like went off and wrote whatever you wanted about whatever movie it was. I, I genuinely don't even remember what I could have written. That would have. Uh, that's how meaningful and substantial my paper was, though. <laughs> that it stands the test of time. I feel like I wrote it too later. because of how many times I've heard this story. That's true. I do bring this up a lot. And this is why me and Liam are on the uh, negative side of the Goffrin divide. Jordan and Patrick are on the positive side. Uh, and you are, it seems like you're leaning that way as well. The thing is, like, I have an appreciation for the films that we watched. And I feel like you, as a baseline, do not. <laughs> so, I think you that... You show us any Marvel movies. The nerve on that guy. <laughs> um... So, uh, Ali, we invited you to the show uh, because uh, last time you called in on the Endgame post-game episode with Liam, uh, you mentioned um, Black Widow's arc and how it seemed less substantial, even though she played a pivotal role in the Endgame film. Uh, you said it overall, she had a less substantial arc, and I really just wanted to, with the movie on the cusp of just coming out in a parallel universe that doesn't have the coronavirus, uh, I definitely want to talk about that and kind of just dive into women in the MCU in general. I want to hear your stance on Wonder Woman, what DC is doing right with the Harley Quinn movie and stuff like that. Um, and we will dive into that shortly. But first, uh, why don't we give the fans kind of just a base for what to expect when hearing your opinion. Can you give me like top five movies? Like what are you really into? I, I mean, and I've said this before too, like I... It's it's not that I have, like, a disdain for Marvel films like some of maybe your Friends of the Pod do. Um, I There are no Friends of the Pod if they have a disdain <laughs> for Marvel movies. It's just Patrick and we let him on for tax reasons. Okay. Um, I, I love Marvel movies. I love going to see them. I, um, I, I always have. I've always been a fan of comic book lore. Uh, in TV series and animated series and everything, um, but it, it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, position to take when you're looking at it from a film perspective and like from a like from an audience perspective going to see them they're entirely enjoyable. There's nothing that I love more than a good old like Marvel movie. It's great. It's a great time for the most part. Um, I, but but looking at it with my you know, however many years of film studies. Uh, with the and divide eyes. <laughs> with my eyes. Uh, <laughs> with my eyes and looking into symbolism and, like, what I expect, what I want more from people. Um, it, 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 it comes out not super great until the last couple years. Uh, okay. When you're looking at the origins of how women are portrayed in all of the MCU films... We start off very strong with Peggy Carter, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I think that she is one of the better pr representations, even though 
she could easily be relegated to being Captain America's love interest and girlfriend or whatever. But she is so much more than that. And if you ever watched her TV show, which was badly funded but actually pretty decent in terms of story and deserves better and should get a Disney Plus reboot. Um, it's possible. It, 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 she had a lot more going for her, and I think that... <laughs> the t- I, I wish she had gotten her own film in the end of the day, I guess. Um, there's also still time for that. But I, specifically, what, like, if you were to, I know there's a quarantine happening, so you're, you know, able to watch pretty much whatever. What are your go to movies that you usually, like, enjoy, whether they be Marvel or not Marvel? Oh, my go to movies. Oh. Yes. Uh, I was like within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, no, we will we will dive deep into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're trying to break our two and a half hour pod record. Jordan suggested. Great. I'm happy to aid in this journey. Um, I am a big fan of really, uh, like almost like intimate films where it's like the before series or just two people talking at each other for God knows how long. Um, well, and Ragnarok is just Thor and the Hulk talking for a while. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> my dinner with Andre. Yes. <laughs> big muscular Andre. <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of the Before series. I'm a big fan of like very studious films like Columbus, and uh, I also love film noir. So like I I really enjoy. Uh, Falcon. Eh, I mean, I, I like the Maltese Falcon, but it's not That's my favorite. That's the only one I know off the top of my head. <laughs> Oh, Double Indemnity. I know Double Indemnity is wonderful. Um, now that you say I feel like that was maybe one of the films I wrote for my paper. Um, and well, I, definitely made, I know I watched it because of one of his classes that I took. Yeah. He probably loved in, in a Lonely Place is my favorite noir. I think it's really tremendous and it's all about writing and the craft of writing and lying and also being a, possibly a killer. Um, so yeah, and, and it's interesting that film noir itself has a lot of roots in... Um, women writing the books that then got turned into the film so a lot of the film noir has really feminist underpinnings to it which i didn't know but it's just like something i've always gravitated to and um now f- discovering that aspect of it it's interesting that women are you know w- also in sci-fi women were pioneers in sci-fi because they weren't able to hit the mainstream so they turned to all of these like pulpy uh genres which men didn't think to touch or rarely did and then once it became popular then men capitalized on those genres and those are the voices that we know now but people like Ursula Le Guin and a bunch of other people who uh, pioneered these genres that now kind of are the baseline for a lot of comic book lore it's really interesting that they had beginnings and very feminist or like women writing them uh, so it's, it's an interesting perspective in seeing how it has very much gotten warped and twisted into something that's not super wonderful aka like Zack Snyder uh, <laughs> yeah he's not that great I mean Jordan did watch Man of Steel in full in uh, Grafton Stovall Theater mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my worst experience in Grafton by far Man of Steel was the most disappointing I remember being so upset in that movie <laughs> yeah I remember watching it and you know that was 2013 was really that was the last year you could put me in front of any movie theater movie and I would enjoy it and then uh, that was right around the time I joined the film committee and started hanging out with you and Patrick. And basically, you would just uh, berate me to the point where I didn't like the movies that I liked at the time. <laughs> well, listen, it's just that we raised your standards and no, opened yeah, your no, eyes. No, no, it's definitely for the better that it <laughs> happened. I'm not saying that it was because, uh, I mean, 
there was also 2014 was an amazing year for movies. Like we we got Birdman and Whiplash and uh, Boyhood came out, which was also fun. Uh, and Gone Girl. Like there were a lot of just great films that we could all watch together and really appreciate. There wasn't really like it didn't seem like a year where there was like kind of a divide. Like some people were like, ah, I wasn't a fan of La La Land or I wasn't a fan of Moonlight. Uh, it really just seems like 2014. Everyone loved almost all of those Oscar films from what I remember. And that was kind of just a great year to be in a film committee, running the film committee, no yeah. less, uh, sharing these opinions. Um, so, uh, yes, Zack Snyder, not that great. I think we're all in agreement there. Uh, Ali, when did you first become, uh, because uh, we were both Marvel fans, in the, I'm sure you watched Ghost Rider and Ben Affleck Daredevil at a time, uh, but when... When were you immediately sold on, maybe not immediately, when were you sold on the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a huge project? What movie did it for you? Um, I mean, I loved Captain America. And I remember what I, I was late to it where I didn't see a lot of them in theaters. But I somehow, freshman year in the dorms, I was catching up. Because I had seen, like, every couple of them and I remember actually when I heard Kenneth Branagh was gonna direct Thor that's when I was like Kenneth Branagh fuck yeah because I was a Branagh fangirl and <laughs> and uh this is the honors dorm me at my finest um, therefore that's what sold me on like I need to catch up and watch it in okay. order so then okay. I, I started watching it in order and I caught up within Including like two weeks. Including Incredible Hulk, Edward Norton Hulk. Yeah, so I I had seen I had seen Ed Norton Hulk. Oh no, I'd seen Eric Bana Hulk okay, in theaters. I know. Um, I don't think I actually ever saw the Ed Norton Hulk. Oh, you no. really need to. It's essential. Wait, uh, Ali, uh, be before before you continue on the uh, the trajectory uh, you're on, if, could you please uh, explain to Jordan? why it is okay for Captain America to jump on the live grenade. I did air quotes. You know, uh, I've already revised my opinion a lot on Captain yeah, America. Yeah, you've changed your opinion movie. on the movie, but I don't think it's stupid. I know, but I want Allie to explain, because she is a fan of the movie. Uh, I am. What, what is your stance on the him jumping on the grenade scene? I mean, the whole thing of his character is that he's recklessly brave. To the point of stupidity where, like, Bucky used to constantly have to save him from, like, God knows how many street fights that he would try to get into with huge dudes because somebody, he thought that somebody's honor was, you know, in question or whatever. And I feel like that is just dialed up to another degree. And I, I think he's just so naive that he would assume that, of course, it's a live grenade. It doesn't go much further than that. He's kind of an idiot. And, like, at the end of the day, like... He's a kind-hearted idiot, but he's a little bit stupid. Um, and he gets better as... He's more... It changes as it goes on, for yeah. sure, too. But, like, by the end, he's holding his own against Tony Stark, who's one of the smartest people yeah. in the universe, and Thor, who's also, like, a cosmic space god scientist. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's pretty bright. I think he's bright enough to know that the commanding officer of his platoon isn't throwing a live grenade into the middle of a training session. How do you think that movie would have gone if he didn't jump on it and he's just like, that's not real. Yeah, if he pulled the Jordan Peoples. I don't think uh, it's about how he reacted to the situation. I think my problem with it is that the writers put it in as a situation for him to contend with. If you want to show him being 
brave and self-sacrificial, you can do that in a way that makes sense rather than doing it in a way that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember the order. Does the grenade scene come first or does the flagpole scene happen first? Grenade happens after the flagpole scene. The grenade is kind of the climax of the army training sequence. Okay, see, that makes even less sense then because I feel like the, the grenade thing should happen first and then the flagpole thing to show growth that he... That, that he's smarter than that, and like, the he's like, oh. thing happened because uh, Tommy Lee Jones was talking to Peggy Carter, and he said, uh, you know, he's too scrawny, he, there's no right, way he right. can pull this off, and Peggy Carter said, he's braver than anyone, and then he said, oh yeah, and then he threw a grenade into the pit, and Steve Rogers yeah. jumped on it, and all of his brawny super soldier specials, or, uh, I, uh, you know, the ideal project specimens, uh, they all ran away from the grenade in right. here. Uh, Whereas Jordan would have just pointed at the grenade and said, that's not real. <laughs> I would have thrown it back at him. <laughs> at Tommy Lee Jones. And he just catches it, and he's like, all right. Like, like a league of their own. I love it. <laughs> You're in, baby. Um, so, okay. Uh, so, Allie, you watched that film, and... Uh, you was that before your initial Marvel kick? Before your uh, I think before I wa Marvel I definitely watched Captain America first because I was familiar with um, Chris Evans, of course, uh, sure, from sure. not another teen movie fame, and Fantastic Four. <laughs> oh, that too. I did see Fantastic Four in theaters, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad we get good comic book movies now. Like when I was a kid, I, and it's better because when I was a kid, I didn't know they were dog shit. And like looking back on them, they're terrible. But yeah. I'm now I'm an adult and I can enjoy them. That's pretty spectacular. <laughs> um, so, so you were yeah. in the honors dorm. I was in the honors dorm. I went through the whole thing of every single Marvel movie up to that point, leading up to Avengers, because that's when Avengers was coming out. And I was extremely excited because I was a Joss Whedon fan. And yes. after yes. many years of Buffy, Angel, Firefly, Serenity, Dollhouse, like the works, I was. A yeah. Very in the on whole the Buffy verse. I, I was, um, and so I that that excited started, me so much. Uh, I watched Buffy uh, for the first time like three years ago, and it was crazy how going back and rewatching Avengers after watching Buffy, like it just it's such a Joss Whedon spectacle. Like yeah. when I first watched Avengers, it was just like, oh, these are all these heroes hanging out. This is awesome. But then going back, uh, it's so Joss Whedon. It's just like watching an episode of Buffy. Like, they're all hanging out. Well, the, I, the I grew up, my, my grandpa was the first person to introduce me to Xena the Warrior Princess and Buffy as, like, a five-year-old. So, like, that's what I was watching since I was little. And sure. I think that informed my love of, like, that, like, genre stuff, which is why I, for the most part, enjoy all the MCU and comic book films to date. Is that a place where Joss is a normal name? Like, where's that from? I think uh, he's British. He's British, so I, I I think it's short for Joseph, right? I have no idea. I've always called him Joss. <laughs> I'm almost positive. You know, when we hang out. Out. <laughs> so, uh, Ali, you, you're saying you were immediately sold on the MCU, uh, like, after Avengers 1? And you were like, I'm going to watch all these from now on? No, it was leading up to Avengers. So Avengers hadn't okay. come out yet. But I it was I think it was after Joss Whedon had been announced that he was going to do it. And I was like, okay, it's time. I should, like, really get into this. Gotcha. Um, and that's when you were sold on the universe. Yes. I guess, okay. yeah. Very good. Uh, and what was your favorite? I mean, I guess you already mentioned Captain America. What's your favorite in, the, in Phase 1? Uh, 
Well, what about least favorite? I guess it would be Edward Norton Hulk if you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I also still haven't seen Doctor Strange because I, I don't oh, know. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. It was just, I think I was just busy at the time and I was like, eh, whatever. Oh, Jordan's favorite cold open. Yeah, it's one of them. It's <laughs> pretty good. But I think least favorite, honestly, is probably Ultron or Civil War. Oh my god, okay. Well, Ultron, both of those are confusing to me. One, because Civil War is my second favorite, and <laughs> two, because Ultron is pretty much pinnacle Joss Whedon, except it, just, like, the magic kind of wore off from Avengers 1. Like, you can only make that movie one time, and Avengers 2 seemed like a 1.5 kind of deal. Yeah, Ultron felt like he fumbled real hard, and I have points about that later. Great, great, great. Um, (laughs) So, uh, we, uh, I also want to get your take on kind of what DC is doing right now in comparison, because I do kind of want to compare the franchises, uh, especially when it comes to strong female leads. We have uh, Captain Marvel in the MCU, who came a couple years after Wonder Woman. Um, So, just, just give your overall uh, view of the DC universe. We kind of started with Man of Steel, which all three of us have seen, um, and kind of go from there. What, what are some highlights? What are some horrible garbage piles of the film? I mean, so I think in general, my and this is spanning Marvel and DC. I think yeah. that having the strong female characters isn't the problem. It's the pushing the strong female character in quote that's okay. the problem to me um, and I think it, obviously there are some stories that are never going to s- surround Rachel Dawes you know like it, that she's not the reason people buy the comic book and buy the ticket to the film I get that that's not my issue uh, you know my issue is honestly w- which I was surprised by Nolan doing this is like putting Katie Holmes in a braless tight sweater soaking yeah, wet so her nipples are hard yeah. is a problem to me that was i noticed that as a child <laughs> like when i saw batman begins so i'm like this is like that was yeah that was the first time i noticed uh like you know that women had boobs under their shirt <laughs> <laughs> yeah and katie holmes famous for never wearing a bra i get it but like uh <laughs> very well weird choices were made there sure. and 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 you know i think if that's I mean, name another female character other than Batman's mom who dies. What other, like, in, in, in at least the, in Batman Begins, like, what what other woman in there can you name that is of note other than Rachel? And if that's your memory of Rachel Dawes, it's very upsetting. So, like... <laughs> I mean, I remember she did other things, especially Maggie Gyllenhaal. Well, no, no, yeah, I think there was time. a reset when it came to Maggie Gyllenhaal, because she, I don't think, would ever stand for that shit, but... I, you know, I, I think that's why Dark, the Dark Knight is so much better than the first one for that reason. Um, How yeah, do you rank it, the Nolan trilogy? Oh, Dark Knight for sure top. Batman Begins yeah. second, and then you got Dark Knight Rises, which is. <laughs> All right, Jordan, great. are you the same? Uh, I don't know. I might do two, three, one. You like three better than one? Maybe I don't know. I've seen one the least. I've seen two the most. You've also complained about three the most. Yeah, but that's because I haven't seen. I, I saw the first one only once, and I think I only saw the third one once. But it was in theater, so I was paying more attention than I was compared to the first one. I don't know. Neither remember that great compared to the second one. It's a real outlier. I yeah, think, I mean, in both directions. But but I think in in terms of like just looking at it 
from like how many women actually stick out in these films like um you know i mean obviously wonder woman is a triumph and 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 not the film itself i think that the film has a really bad third act problem um it is it really really suffers there it gets it, it it's really great in the beginning and then it goes really bad but i think what makes that film stand out and comparing comparing it to uh captain marvel even um it's it's the sincerity with which the film was created and written and acted and that's what makes you buy into this absolutely ludicrous story of like <laughs> like World War Two fighter plane lands on a mythical Greek island that has never been seen by man and humanity, uh, with Greek gods and Amazons and all this stuff. So I think the the premise is insane, and the fact that you have an actress who is actually a fighter and a soldier in real life, and has that kind of combat training. And also just has the sincerity of, like, an innocent person. I think that's what drives not only Steve's love for her in the film, but, like, why you why everyone else rallies around her and supports her and, like, makes every almost insane decision later in the film um, yeah. land. And, like, you come out feeling empowered in a way that's natural versus in Captain Marvel, a film that I had high expectations for, and was deeply, deeply disappointed. Oh, really? I oh, hate an equally ludicrous premise, super convoluted I plot. I think it's flawless. That's also why I got you on the show to kind of just ground. My opinion of Marvel is they can do no wrong no matter what they do is perfect. And I think I've also even swayed Jordan uh, closer to my side uh, at this point. I, I remember. better in general. I think that's why yeah. you agree more. Where did you land on Captain Marvel vs. Wonder Woman, Jordan? Uh, I don't remember what my relative scores were that I gave them. Uh, you gave Wonder Woman, you said Wonder Woman was better than Logan, so that is a crazy bar already. And then Captain Marvel, I believe you gave similar ratings to, uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, probably like around four and a half, like a Doctor Strange rating. Hmm. I I mean, there's definitely, there are good parts of both. I bet neither one would be I don't remember loving either of them particularly. Like, they're not up there with the best in either franchise. Well, maybe the best in DC, because DC's kind of got nothing, unless we're including Dark Knight. Yeah. I mean, I I was generous and included that within, like, the current landscape of how women... Because I I, I didn't see Aquaman, so I don't honestly know about her character in that, but... uh, I watched Birds of Prey last night, the Harley Quinn solo flick. Uh, Oh, yeah. It, uh, well, Ali, I've seen it too, and I just kind of wanted to bring that to the table. Uh, so I watched Wicker Man last night. So <laughs> the Nicolas Cage one or the the seventies one? Okay, thank God. Was it better than the Nicolas Cage one? It was pretty interesting. Did the they world. have a scene where he's running from bees? No. Then not worth watching. <laughs> um, so I think the reason the Birds of Prey movie was so good, and the reason I enjoyed the parts of Wonder Woman that I did enjoy is. The actresses really, really, a hundred and ten percent embody those characters, yeah. and you could not cast anyone differently to be in those roles. And I, I do love how they are giving their all to it. Um, which I will agree, Captain Marvel. Like I haven't seen enough of her. Uh, Brie Larson, I love to death, and she was great. And I love Captain Marvel the movie, um, but 
you know, if I was to pick who was more like destined to be in the role of uh, a superhero, I would pick uh, Wonder Woman or Harley Quinn over Brie Larson's Captain Marvel at this point. I think so. I think what my what I was looking at in terms of DC and what the difference is is the lens with which the story is told. So if you're looking at um, Justice League, for example, you look at what the Amazons are clothed in, or should I say not clothed in, and... Classic Zack Snyder. Yeah, of course. But, like, Zach still, yes. it, 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 it is fucked up when you're considering, like, how fully armed and clothed both Superman and Batman are, and then, like, all of the Amazons are, like, fully in just leather bikinis and gladiator sandals, and that's fine. <laughs> I don't remember. Were they not wearing that in the Wonder Woman movie? No. Or so what happened was there's a there's a photo comparison. It's so fascinating. Zack they were Snyder simultaneously, right? Yeah, but Zack Snyder personally asked that the that his costume designer, who's a dude, uh, cut back the costumes that were designed and already ready to go for Wonder Woman for the Amazons. That were like the ones you see in Wonder Woman movie where they're wearing. Yeah. They are wearing like leather, you know dress things like very uh classical greco-roman situation but the thing is like they're they're armed in such a way that it would actually protect them (laughs) if you are fully exposed in your stomach the most vulnerable part of you aside from your head how how does that make you a legendary fighter like an amazon would be so it just doesn't make any so good nobody can touch them it just okay sure but (laughs) it, it it just like in that sense it it it's a it's an aesthetic choice that I don't agree with because it doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. But also, like, if you're looking at Wonder Woman, and another reason why that film makes sense is that all of these women are trained fighters who are, like, protecting themselves. And just the costuming makes such a huge difference in people taking you seriously, unfortunately enough. And the same goes for Harley Quinn. Like, I think part of the reason I never even wanted to give a shit about Suicide Squad was because of like god those that harley hot pant outfit that every drunk girl was wearing on halloween for two years and 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 like fine like if you want to dress that way sure but like that is absolutely not what harley wears in the comics or in the show the animated series in any sense she's fully wearing a fully clothed harlequin outfit it like nothing of that is at all about the character and it was just about men ogling margot robbie who's an amazing actress and an amazing obviously she has a great body and whatever but that's not that's not the purpose of that character so it doesn't make sense and then if you're looking at birds of prey it's such a difference to see how she's dressed in this she's still wearing insane clothes She's still wearing, like, shorts and things, but she's so much more covered, and, like, you can see that she's more comfortable doing all the stunts that she's doing, not in, like, hot pants with her vagina hanging out. Like, that is insane to me. This is also, uh, I mean, uh, not along the theme of this podcast, but I think Ewan McGregor was a fantastic black mask in that Oh, he was so good. Like so good. But also, is there a role that Ewan McGregor has never excelled in? Like That's true. There, oh, he Fish, can, one he, of my favorite films. He can do um, everything. Obi-Wan Kenobi, yeah. He's, he's phenomenal. Um, so, I yeah, overall, I enjoyed the, the movie. I think, like Wonder Woman, there was there were some scenes where I was just like, why is this in here? And I was just, like, taken back. But what scenes? I want to okay. know. Specifically the ending, and I wrote a letterbox review uh, <laughs> that I will read. Uh, and Ali's going to understand this, and Jordan won't really because he hasn't seen the movie. But That's okay. there's, there's a similar... People who have seen Birds of Prey will get it. Uh, 
<laughs> all all <laughs> billions of them on our Marvel fan base. Um, so at the end, they go to after they defeat the villain and everything. Spoilers. Uh, they go to a Mexican restaurant and drink margaritas and have like rowdy girl time or whatever. And I'm I have not been sold on the the cop character at all. Montoya, I did not like. I don't think she's that great an actress. I don't think the character meshed well with the others. Like I loved Huntress. I loved um, the little kid. Uh, so anyway, this is kind of like a parallel to when the Avengers all ate at shawarma. And here's my review: uh, <laughs> Avengers go to shawarma, no dialogue. Perfect. A plus. Birds of prey. Go to Mexican restaurant. I love how you can kick high, girlfriends. LOL. Let's drink some Margs. LMAO. Fuck you both. Now are we gonna make this kid shit herself or what? Which is dialogue in the movie when they're trying to make yes. the little girl shit her pants. And it is a ludicrous thing to end this pretty solid movie with. And it really just took me out of it. Uh, and then pretty much all of the other. Uh, scenes with the cop character i was not sold on montoya i don't think she's that stellar of an actress personally uh i liked her in pineapple express kind of rosie perez uh, um i i mean i think what i liked about birds of prey i mean obviously not every moment landed for me like there were some things i was yeah. like okay and also i, I actually I rated it higher than you on letterbox i gave it three and a half stars you gave it three I, I think because for me the um, the stunts got a little monotonous um, personally, but oh, I loved watching Harley Quinn kick ass. There I mean, were I such I did good choreograph fight scenes. I did too, and I know Margot Robbie did a lot of the scenes herself, which is also super cool. Um, but I think, like in the end, like I, I liked it a lot, but I wasn't like fuck yeah, it's the best movie of all time. I I'm, yeah, I'm cons- well, I when I like when that. I raid on Letterbox, I consider it within the span of all of the films that I watch, not just like how much did I enjoy this film. Same. Okay. So and and, and my other thing about Birds of Prey which, that I enjoyed was that you know you're having women of different demographics who are being all teamed up in one place. They're not all the same like copycat like white girl who's wearing spandex. Oh, yeah. So I think that that was interesting. The origin stories are funny. Mary Louise Winstead is amazing. I love her. Uh, did I say Mary Louise? Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I, I like Rosie Price's character. I think they lingered on her a little too much, and it was a little ham-fisted at times of like all the dudes who don't pay attention to her in the police department and all this stuff. Um, yeah. But but I I did enjoy the the variety of people that we got to see, and that even though Harley Quinn is a very divisive character and like honestly a lot to stomach for a full movie um i think it was good that they included other people's perspectives and other people's stories including obviously chris mazina and ewan mcgregor because they're batshit um but batshit in a way that's like enjoyable to watch and honestly pretty terrifying like the way that they fuck with people um but 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 i overall I, i came out liking that movie so much more than Captain Marvel because uh, it, it blasphemy. Captain Marvel was such a ham-fisted like marketing ploy dove ad of a movie that I could not stomach it. And I love Brie Larson. I love Annette Bening to death. Love Jude Law, but this whole it was just a convoluted plot. And she's supposed to be a, such a pivotal character. And the fact that they had a woman co-direct it instead of just fully helming it, I feel like also changes why. I didn't enjoy the film. That was interesting. Do you know why why they made 
I, I have no idea. The second one, they have a woman director. I know, like, but I, I have no clue. And I think Marvel, in general, has suffered with... I mean, everyone in, in general suffers with letting women direct blockbusters when they should. I mean, I think Patty Jenkins proved well enough that that's a great thing. And then Kathy Yan on Birds of Prey also did the same thing. That you just... You show slightly more intimate moments that men just don't capture and it's really hard when you have a male writer when you have a male like you have just a fully male cast and crew directing what a woman's story looks like and it's not that they can't write i mean joss whedon has obviously done that across his career but there are some things that they just don't get the nuance of and sometimes it's not there it shouldn't be just we shouldn't be getting all of these women's led stories from the male perspective because that is ultimately it only it has such a limit and such a threshold that there's a point where women are the only ones able to tell those kinds of stories can you imagine if a man had directed wonder woman <laughs> uh i mean i'm sure there's some variation of that movie like an old kind of like a ben affleck daredevil like in the 60s or like the original fantastic four yeah like the tv show well yeah the tv show sure yeah. but but i mean like at this caliber at the state that we are in the world I just feel like there's so much more value that comes from an, like an authentic perspective versus one that's really really forced and I feel like a lot a lot of uh, why a lot of people didn't enjoy Captain Marvel and it's not because I have a vendetta against Brie Larson because I don't I love her to pieces Every, you know the whole controversy that came out around great. it was bad. Like I, I get the, the 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 controversy and everybody saying you know the inflated Rotten Tomato uh, reviews oh, yeah, and all that that, that horrible situation. Yeah. Notwithstanding, I think the film itself is just not good enough. And I I also think that there's a huge problem with people saying, well, it stars an amazing woman and it's about women. I'm like, okay, but that doesn't mean it's a good movie. Like and 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 so I'm not I'm not for that narrative either. So I think that's the, there's a balance there, and that's why it's tricky, and that's why no one has really truly gotten it right. Like even Wonder Woman, as much as I love how authentic it feels, it's still not a tremendous movie. It, yeah. it it's it, like to me, it's a lot of times it's sad that we have to like applaud women so much to like even get them to be able to make a next movie and not even take into consideration well, like it's it's actually not that great of a movie, but we gotta support each other so. Let's just keep it going, and I feel like there's yeah. there's a danger of that happening right now, and I think Captain Marvel, not great, but I'm I'm hopeful in other characters that they've had, like Valkyrie, like um, Black Panther. I think proved that you can have so many amazing women who add to the plot, aren't just relegated to being the girlfriend. Like, or, yeah. uh, I mean, I think even Jane in Thor tried to be a lot more but it just it never lent itself to herself being an amazing character but now that's changing as like they've announced her new phase of the project yes. and, and that is interesting because in thor one like jane foster is in the comics who becomes lady thor or i think the girl version of thor is called thor the mighty yeah um and that was very uh like they immediately knew that they were gonna i mean when they were making these films uh to put a lot of the eggs in that basket like they could have given him any other love interest but they gave him the person who does become uh thor the mighty and which means that they had this like project cooking on the back burner for a long time like they knew that they wanted to do this 10 years ago yeah and i know that i mean obviously natalie portman has been such a champion of having women directors in at the helm of these projects for so long she wanted desperately patty jenkins to 
be the director for Thor Dark World and then that fell apart because of something on the Marvel back end. Do you think that would have been better? I mean, Thor Dark World is not a great movie by any means. Like, it, it's a crazy movie again and it needed vision and whether Patty Jenkins was right for it is, I, I don't know. But um, I, I think because that involves more of Jane's side of the story and like an interesting perspective on her, I would have liked to have seen somebody other than a Game of Thrones director who maybe doesn't have the best uh, track record. <laughs> That's true. Jordan, where do you land on Patty Jenkins directing Thor Dark World? What else has she directed? The Wonder Woman. Oh. And Monster, uh, which is the film about uh, Charlize Theron being the serial killer. Oh, yeah. I, I, did, I don't yeah, haven't seen that either. All, that, all the way through. I don't know. I, I was sitting here thinking, though, that I think one of the weird things about Captain Marvel is the way that it's so... Marvel's very self-congratulatory that they're doing like a women-led film, but they're also doing it so many films into their universe that it feels kind of silly. Yeah. It's like there's already been 15 movies, and now we finally have gotten around to making one that's all about this woman, and we're patting ourselves on the back for it, which yeah. is a bit... That, I mean, that's, that's what I felt like was so um, condescending, honestly. And, and, and the fact that we would have to, you know, support and champion this movie and, like, whether it was good or not based on the fact that, like, we finally got around to it, as you say. Like, I think that that's... And I, I, it's great that, like, young girls are seeing it and it's, like, their first experience, but I feel like for the older yeah. people who have been through this and, like, for people who are even, like, comic book fans, like, this is, like, this was a big moment and it felt a little squandered. And how do you not get to it in... If, even phase one, you think you would just... Yeah. Like, how hard is it to have one woman like In the era of Nick Cage Ghost Rider, and... I mean, <laughs> I don't think those movies existed. Like, I don't think... Uh, so, what's what do you think is, like, the strong female protagonist character of, like, the 90s, would you say? Like, movie-wise. Because Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, like, like Xena, like, were big uh, strides for... TV, TV. yeah. Um, Lara Croft, honestly. Tomb Raider? Oh, yeah. Tomb Ra Wait, was that early 2000s? I thought it was, like, 1999, but maybe, maybe it was is. early maybe, 2000s. Uh, uh, I actually have never seen this. Um, what about uh, um, Terminator? What's her name? Oh, Laura... Uh, Connor. Laura wait, Connor? Not Laura. Sarah, not Laura Sarah Connors? Sarah Connors, yes. Yeah. Uh, I never really watched Terminator, to be honest, but... I I think it's interesting, like, having grown up, I we always ended up having to, like, you know, when you're like, oh, I'm this character, or I'm this character, like, when you're a girl, you, you only really I end up identifying with the dudes, and like, well, I'm, you know, I yeah. get to be Captain America, or whatever, and like, yeah. um, I, I, I think it's it's sad that, honestly, nothing real of note really comes to mind for the whole of the 90s, and, sure. and also just because yeah. comic book movies weren't like they or even genre-ish action movies weren't really made on the scale that they are now. That was like kind of the era of like the Disney family movie or um, the teen rom-com or like you know like t high school movies like stuff like that. I feel like there yeah. wasn't a ton of of that genre really in, in, enough. Uh, I'm like yeah. I honestly I'm struggling to find out, figure out like what you would what you would name aside from TV because I feel like TV ends up making strides a lot quicker than film ever does. Just by nature of it being more expensive to make films and like get it yeah. and distribute it so I, I think that's a big hurdle of it too but I genuinely don't know I mean maybe I mean, would you 
the the Star Wars series, I feel like that was kind of big in like the late nineties. Uh, like yeah, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, I'd say are like there Ami- any strong female leads. In Amidala. Phantom? Oh, Padme char- Padme's character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess in Phantom Menace, I don't remember her having that significant part, but I have watched that movie a long time ago. I'm just thinking of like what was the Halloween costume that every girl wanted to be in those oh, years? You I know, see. that's a good bar for it. Um, yeah, that's that's. I mean, I can't imagine a lot of people wanted to be Sarah Connor either. Like, no. And it was it was interesting. James Cameron. I think I might have brought this up when we talked about Wonder Woman a couple of years ago. Uh, James Cameron said at some point. I read some article where he's like, Sarah Connor's real. She has real life problems, and Wonder Woman is kind of just like a real glamorized like everything works out for her kind of deal. Uh, whereas Sarah, Sarah Connor is a more real character I think is what he was trying to say which was an interesting take right as Wonder Woman came out and I think at that, looking back on it now I think Wonder Woman just really she nails that role and I think if she is able to play that character so well um, her, the actress's name is living my mind um, but if she's able to Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot yes uh, if she's able to play that role so well I think that that's just inspirational in itself I, I think that that's such a if she can tell the story with that character then I think go for it plus I don't want to see four more Avatar movies I just don't know what the shape of the DC universe is like because they have so many like they're building a universe but so many pieces fell through so how does Wonder Woman fit into a broader thing going forward like it feels fragmented they are yeah doing a soft reboot and they're rebooting half the characters basically the ones the movies didn't work out so uh uh henry cavill i believe was he was uh, offered money to return for superman but it was less than gal gadot was making which he was not cool with according to the tabloids uh which you know and welcome like, to our you know, lives henry cavill <laughs> <laughs> and you're like well, her movie was better than yours. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's why. And he's like, but I'm the face of the Justice League. Like, you can't have it without Superman. And then I think he walked and starred in The Witcher. And I'm sure he's going to be okay, but they have to recast Superman and Batman, which I'm curious to see. Jordan, are you, are you up to speed with The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves? Uh, no, I have no idea. Paul Dano is playing the Riddler. I'm like very excited for this cast. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um, who is who is Colin Farrell playing? Colin Farrell is the Penguin. Oh fuck yes! <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. I'm very into it. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty great. The, uh, uh, what's it? The vampire guy. Robert Robert Pattinson. Is yes. Batman. Okay. And He's going to be him in good time. Like I think he has such great acting chops that I never would have given him credit for if I just yeah. Have the you been movie. watching his movies recently? I well, so I did not like the Lighthouse. I did not. I mean, it's it was well acted, I guess, but I was very <laughs> bored throughout all of that movie. Um, there were no Hulks, which really rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, and then I watched Good Time after that, and that was stellar. I loved that movie. He's a um, tremendously weird actor, so I'm excited for the weird energy he brings to the character of Bruce uh, Bruce Wayne, who deserves to be seen as like the psycho emo boy that he is. And 
Like, who better to portray that? You think that? they're going to portray him as such? Oh, yeah. He's, like, Robert Pattinson never plays a role normally. He's going to have to do something fucked up to, to Bruce Wayne and make him, like, really emo wearing, like, full-on eyeliner and listening to MCR. Oh, like, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I would love a Batman who listens to MCR. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's funny because Batman always has, like, black makeup around his eyes. Yeah. So when the hood's on, it's covered. I would love to see him putting it on. it. <laughs> There will be a scene. That very well could be part of this upcoming movie. Um, So, Jordan, to answer your question, they're doing a soft reboot kind of deal where the characters that were successful in movies are moving forward, and then the characters who were not successful are getting rebooted. So Wonder Woman will be moving forward, and they're going to presumably play into like the multiple multiple universe kind wow. of deal that's a mess though you it is a mess you, you can't go back and re-watch like oh i gotta catch up with this but what do i start with like what is didn't wonder woman's been in some of the other interactions yes, exactly era, right? so aquaman made a billion dollars as well so they will keep him and make a sequel to aquaman so aquaman and wonder woman as far as the original justice league goes are good uh ben affleck and henry cavill are out and I, so I guess uh, you can't do a Justice League movie for a long time. Yeah, well, it's funny, too, because part of the reason I hate Hulk so much is because how <laughs> inconsistent it feels to the rest of the MCU. And the Justice League problem is that, except for with, like, ten with- movies instead of one. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, they did do it a lot sooner, so knowing that it doesn't work, they don't have to spend money on a Flash solo movie or a Cyborg solo movie, which they were definitely planning on doing. They scrapped a lot of projects. Hmm. Um, But all things considered, I think they're more or less in the right direction now. They've had a few hits. I mean, Birds of Prey, I would say, is as good, and Wonder Woman is as good as a Phase 1 Marvel movie to me, in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, They're fine movies, uh, but they have a couple... You know, like slow points or weird scenes and yeah. segments that I would definitely remove. Um, Ali, what's your stance on Wonder Woman two? Do you think like it's going to be better or worse? Like the hype's going to die down, or the hype will be more present than ever? I think I'm just confused. I also don't love Kristen Wiig as an actress, so I'm like uh, about that about her being yeah. playing Chitara, but. I mean, I'm always down for more Chris Pine. Love a good '80s situation. Yeah, why? They're I'm bringing, just confused. So apparently, Wonder Woman 2 is going to be the reboot of the whole universe, and they are going to incorporate time travel, and that is how they're going to explain Batman and Superman are different, presumably. Uh, uh, time travel is always a good thing to bring in to make things oh, less complicated. Yeah. I have brought this up before. They have a comic called Flashpoint, which is about the Flash running so fast he goes back in time and changes the Justice League, like, permanently. They have a comic book that is very popular. It is the most popular, well-sold Flash comic, I believe. Uh, and it, the whole comic is a redo button, and they're not using that at all. Huh. Um, Flash is kind of a mess power-wise, though, in comic right. books. Kind of all DC characters are. I've read a little bit about the stuff that happens, like like some of their... There's a subreddit called like Who Would Win in a Fight, and DC characters stuff always gets brought up and it's insane like exactly what you said where he runs so fast he goes back in time first superman doing basically the same thing but like they're all like super infinitely deity like powerful yeah they're all gods basically and then then you see like harley quinn hold her own mcu is kind of getting that way with everyone powering up like captain marvel had to be more powerful than everyone else yeah and now she's 
Like, uh, like if she could have actually fought Thanos, I can't. Whatever happened in Endgame to take her out of Thanos is. Uh, Thanos uh, punched her with a yeah. stone. Yeah, so uh, that other people could fight her, because otherwise it was going to be too easy. Yes. Well, she was. Uh, I mean, she's still like and her first movie has come out so I think there'll be a lot of character development like over her trilogy but yeah. her character is still kind of a little arrogant I just think there's starting to be power creep in the uh, yeah I'm, I'm, but I, people are getting stronger I think but they're handling it the best they can especially like now that they have like in the future there's not going to be Avengers movies there's going to I mean there will be but it's not going to be all of them it's not going to be an end game it's going to be five select heroes so they'll have like young Avengers which is just going to be Spider-Man, uh, Ant-Man's daughter, um, Hawkeye's daughter, and like, there will be different groups of Avengers, and you can kind of pick who you want to be together based on the power differential. So if you want like a really strong Avengers crew, then you have like Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange. But even that's a little weird, because if I'm watching Peter Parker and his group of young Avengers take on some menace that another hero could come in and just clean up for them like 20 minutes. The other heroes are busy, Jordan. They have other movies. Yeah. They're doing stuff. They're busy. Mm. They can only uh, also... I mean, it's too late anyway to, to start containing this problem. I just think it's something <laughs> interesting. And I think it's something that DC, like if they did a Flashpoint thing, they'd have to deal with. Like you can only make your heroes so powerful. Because then otherwise you have to just keep coming up with contrived ways to limit their power for the temporary time that this movie takes place so that we can have conflict in it. That's the Superman like classic problem. Yeah. He's just too strong. There's always kryptonite though. Yeah. <laughs> always that rare, rare, rare mineral mineral from a destroyed planet galaxies away always ends up washing up on Earth. Yeah. Very convenient. Um, so, uh, Ali, do you think like Wonder Woman 2 will perform as well at the box office. And it's also the second movie, so second films historically, I mean, other than Dark Knight, obviously, uh, perform worse off than the third one is, is the return to form. Kind of like Iron Man 2 and Dark um, World. I think it honestly depends on... There's so much going on in the, the theater system right now that it's going to be so interesting to see like what the fuck was happening like next time when theaters actually open for real and when people are actually comfortable going back to theaters i think I'm, that plays a huge Black part when it comes out i will be there i don't care oh i, I know care. i know you will but the <laughs> people with children and families <laughs> probably won't be rushing to crowded yeah, spaces you know this movie isn't for them so they can say across the board decrease and it'll be very interesting to see what it is like yeah. is it 30 percent like how many fewer people are going to movies yeah, I don't know. Good. I mean, there's obviously those people who are like, I need to get the fuck out of here. I need to go like do something and get out of my apartment or my house. Yeah, um, I mean, and so willing to do that. But I think that there's so many other considerations too. And uh, how well theaters are operating. Like, uh, I mean, there's also been a considerable amount of deaths. <laughs> so I feel like there's a lot of... Well, uh, Ali, you, are also, you are in New York, which is probably the place that has hit the most. And yeah. we, we didn't actually talk about this at the beginning of the plot. How is your quarantine experience overall? <laughs> Uh, it's fine. Uh, my roommate left like day one to go back to rural Maryland, so she, I've been alone since then. Um, so I'm just that watching. A long time to be alone. Oh yeah, I'm going nuts. Um, but I'm watching <laughs> a lot of movies, so you know, keeping sane in that regard. Okay, that's good. My that's letterbox is filling up. Your hot takes. Um, so, uh, 
uh, why don't we segue a little into uh, Black Widow um, because this also touches on Jordan's power differential because they're going back in time and she is, or I mean it's a prequel, she's not physically time traveling. It's a prequel and I think they're going to have a lot of fun cameos. Um, Marvel she's has... human, right? Black Widow? She's human, yes. Okay. She's just a well-trained spy. There yeah. is that theory that she is actually isn't human anymore that she's undergone the same uh oh she's a scroll no that she's the same treatment that um steve has gotten in in yeah like a super soldier like in infinity war i remember uh she fights someone who should be just like proxima midnight yeah who should just be so much stronger than her that they just like break her bones proxima midnight is very scrawny though i think they have very similar weapon powers i think that movie's perfect i don't think there was a problem Oh, wow. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> um, so, uh, Ali, why don't we, uh, before we get into uh, the Black Widow movie as a little hype, why don't you talk about just Black Widow's character? She has been one of, I mean, if not the most significant female character in the MCU since its inception. Uh, when do you think her character became, like, substantial to the point where like your metric could be like girls were wearing that Halloween costume or she was like more badass or holding her own to the other adventures or painted in the same light as they were kind of at what point in your MCU binge did you kind of realize uh, this I so we first see her in what Iron Man 2 and she is like honestly it's really gross the portrayal of her (laughs) Like, and I'm not just talking about the heinous wig that they put on her, but <laughs> just you like... You don't like how she codes a lot either? That was Jordan's big problem. Uh, She's too good at coding. She... I'll think it was that she was good at it. <laughs> it bothered me. I don't remember what it was. Who knows what I said years ago. <laughs> uh, sorry, Hale. No, it's, it's, it's more like... Uh, I mean, obviously, the Tony aspect of it is super gross. Uh, it's very much like a casting couch situation. He sees that she's a hot model and like uh, hires her as the assistant. Is like leering at her in front of Pepper, and it creates this weird dynamic between Pepper and her, and it's super weird and unnecessary. That really only happens in two, correct? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. still talking about two, but I'm just saying okay. like that. That's our introduction to her as this woman sure. who is like the pivotal like dumb model or whatever. Um, and then. I mean, obviously, she's a plant the whole time from S.H.I.E.L.D. She's super capable and everything, and that's great. But I think the fact that the film... Like, regardless of what they're telling us about her, what they're showing us about her is that she's a hot, like, body commodity. She is, uh, you know, supposed to be, like, the vixen sexy girl, like, a la Megan Fox in all the Transformers movies. Um, yeah, and, she didn't have a great role in those movies. And and so I think just as an introduction, it's really, it's less than ideal. I think obviously she grows so, so much. Like having Joss take over for her character in Avengers and so many of the other films um, leads to a lot of her growth. We're starting to see her as more comfortable with with the other characters and interacting with them. And not just like a very, if you look at her in Iron Man 2, she has a very blank expression about everything. Like, it's all like she's an well, operator. She's a plant. She's a she's plant. I, I know. I know. Show emotion. 
Yeah, no, the thing is you should show emotion if you're undercover because then it doesn't make you look as obvious. To me, that's like a bad spy. If she has no emotion and has no, like, rapport with these people, she's just like, okay, <laughs> just, like, puts them in a, in a headlock. Like, that's not... It's not Honestly, a good... I wouldn't see it coming. Uh, yeah, because you're too busy looking at her body. That's why. Um, I mean, I was also looking at Tony Stark's brand new suits. They were pretty dope. <laughs> I'm sure. Um... Uh, also, keep in mind, this is 2010. We are still on the cusp. Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider came out three years ago. Like, there's... <laughs> people didn't know that these movies could be good yet. <laughs> I, I, I think it... A, uh, 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 a metric for... Yeah, like like where the world shifted. That I mean, that's the movie. that is the last movie before we get Iron Man. <laughs> and it's kind of crazy to think about. What do we have before that? We have Wesley Snipes' Blade. We have... X-Men is on its own because it's very capable the whole time, except for the 2007 third movie, was, which they retconned in Days of Future Past, the best retconning in history of retcons. Uh, um, but also, we have um, Fantastic Four, and these these would come out every year, and I would be, you know, 7 or 10 or 12, and I would love these movies just because it was a fun, like, I saw Invisible Woman make a shield. Like, that's badass. I want to see that. Whereas Jordan is like in, you know, he's 12 and he's like, when is There Will Be Blood coming out? I'm so excited for this new flick. <laughs> Gotta see Paul Dano drink a milkshake. <laughs> um, he doesn't get to drink the milkshake. No. Sure. But I, you, you, were really, you, were, you were really hoping that he would. Um, no, I think back to Natasha, I think you finally start to see her in Avengers when she's interacting with Falcon, uh, or not Falcon, um, Hawkeye, and um, and you start to see a little bit more of her rapport and her history with other people because up to then she's just been such a um, such an operator that you don't you have no no sense of her within like the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe and like what's going on, and then once you get to Winter Soldier, I think that's when you start seeing her as a person and her like moments of vulnerability when she's on the run with Steve and the fact that basically her whole I- her whole like system of ideology of the fact that she's been serving shield blindly like a, a like any agent would and then when she sees like oh all of the she knew what she'd been doing was wrong but she was doing the wrong thing for the right reason so she thought that she that you know everything that she had done in all of those years was was um, for the greater good and i think now this is when her belief system comes crashing down. This is when, um, obviously, Captain America's belief system comes crashing down. And um, and this is when she starts to open up to Steve and says, like, would you have trusted me to save your life before this if you actually knew me and all of that? I think that's when you start to see her as a human being and when you start to actually care about her beyond the fact that, obviously, she can kick ass. We've known that from day one. But yeah. I think to see her as a fully rounded character that you invest in and that you care about, that was the very first glimpse of it. I think what's upsetting is that even in the other, in the context of all the other movies, regardless if they're the solo movies like the Thors or what have you, or the other Avengers movies, I think that the issue is that you, just screen time with her is so very limited, and there's only so much of that like actual genuine storytelling that you can get to. If she's not in a fight scene, it's really hard to get to know that character. Therefore. I feel like if they had released the Black Widow movie before Endgame, that it, was actually my next question. It would have when changed so much. You, at what point in the MCU would you have released Black Widow 
and what movie would you have bumped it with and do you think it would be a bigger box office success than that movie? It would have been interesting to see it after Ultron because that's when you first get the big, you know, the flashback sequence of uh, the Red Room with her and, and, and obviously that's when you get insights on so many of the other characters. But what's interesting to me is like it's it's the other characters are showing like alternate timelines almost, whereas hers feels like very much a flashback in reality, not like something that is a you know a, a an invention aside from like the creepy little girls without mouths. Um, sure. It it it's <laughs> it, it that one that one felt the most real, and I feel like that. Um, I mean, obviously, that's where they're going to go for her movie. So it would have made sense to have done that right afterward. Because also the blowback that happened in Ultron 2, you know, not just with that scene of, like, her being sterilized, but the fact that she later refers to herself as a monster in the the lines of... um, What does she say? I think I have it down. Um, They sterilize you. It's efficient. One less thing to worry about. The one thing that might matter more than a mission. It makes everything easier, even killing. You think you still think you're the only monster on the team, and this is what she's saying to Bruce Banner, Bruce and Banner, the Incredible Hulk. Yes, which I get, like I understand that, but I think the issue with that is, and I'm surprised that this was delivered or presented as clumsy as it was, as clumsily as it was, because of um, Joss's like however many years of experience writing women's dialogue. But I think what 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 is upsetting here is that. She, hear her like femininity being taken away from her is what she now refers to herself as a monster because she can never have a family which i think is really fucked up view of having a woman on your one highlighted character i I never got that i i when she was referring to herself as a monster i always thought she was referring to the fact that she could kill so willy-nilly like without feeling the consequences yeah but i think the reason for that is because they sterilized her and like essentially took away what made her maternal or empathetic i see okay you know what i mean like and that's the i've definitely never thought of it that way but that is a good point and and to me that's what pissed me off because i was like that doesn't make you any less of a woman or less of a human being because there are so many people who can have kids, and that doesn't it naturally, and that process doesn't make you less of a person. So I think that that's a really fucked up thing that you're saying about femininity and womanhood, and and in terms of identity, and that could have been rectified had you had another standalone film about her dealing with more of those issues and how how her evolution it was just about to like take off, and not having had a bigger sense of like who she is as a person or her history until that moment and that line is not a great way to give this character more screen time for people to identify with her because I would hope that people don't identify (laughs) with that line or that perspective. Yeah, probably not a lot. Uh, This is a little devastating to hear for probably for Jordan because this is his favorite Avengers film. (laughs) Um, I'm sure he uh, looks at it in a negative light now. Otherwise, James Spader was was so hot. Yeah. It really um, felt like an age of Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Ali, it sounds like you're saying you would have replaced Ant-Man 1 with a release of Black Widow, which Ant-Man made under a billion dollars. So I'm thinking that Black Widow could have performed better than Ant-Man 1 if it was released two months after Age of Ultron. I think it would have been, and I also think, you know, speaking of Ant-Man, like, I also want to talk about how, I mean, as much as I, there's a lot going on in Ant-Man, and, like, it is fun to watch, but uh, I would have loved to have seen what Edgar Wright would have done with it. 
Um, we, we have mentioned that several times. <laughs> we have last week mentioned that. But I think Hope as a character, when you're seeing it, like, if you, first of all, you're, the one-two punch of having that experience with uh, Black Widow and being like, yeah. yikes. And then two months later, you see uh, Ant-Man, or Ant- Ant-Man, the first one, and yeah. you see, well, honestly, the only woman character other than, uh, than Paul Rudd's uh, ex-wife and his daughter. <laughs> And the, uh, the secretary from Arrested Development. Oh, that's right at his Say heart. Say goodbye to me. <laughs> um, but but the only person you see in there is uh, Hope, and she has truly the the haircut that is a hate crime, in my opinion. Well, um, so that's what she did look like in the comic books. They tried to make it. I know, like, but it's so bad. Accurate, which yes, I mean but they it. But she's like the most dour character, and you're like, this is what we have. And then at the very end of the movie, they're like, well, I made you a suit. And she's like, about damn time. And you're like, why wasn't she wearing it the whole time? So it sounds like, so if, if you weren't, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you went through a bit of a Marvel lull. Because right after this, we have Civil War, one of my favorites, one Yikes. of your not-so-favorites. And we have Doctor Strange, which you haven't seen. So there were two <laughs> years where you were off the grid, off the Marvel. I was. I was just rewatching Winter Soldier and ha- being happy that that happened. That is, yeah, because I do remember uh, I saw it opening night, and I think you saw it the night after. And you did ask me to go, and I was like, I've already seen it. But thank <laughs> you. Um, and we all left that theater being like, this was a game changer. Everyone except yeah. Jordan. Who yeah. uh, watched it at home and had some problems with Bucky Barnes, the mechanical devices holding Bucky Barnes' metal arm down. Sebastian Stan is a, a, a god among us humans, so I will never say we it. We really don't deserve him as the Winter Soldier. He is sure. wonderful. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of like other women in Marvel, I think it was. T- I mean, I was ecstatic when I saw Peggy in like a flashback in old age makeup in the beginning of Ant Man. I was like, "Thank God, like we're wow. back." So is that because that was one of our least favorite cold opens <laughs> with Liam last week? I was. I remember being in theaters. I was in LA at the time, and I was like, "Fuck yes, Peggy Carter!" I was so happy. Nice. Um, meanwhile, I think her show was going on during those two lull years. Yeah, I, they did that to promote the show. Yeah. So. Uh, I wasn't in a lull with with the TV sh- series, I guess, but I wasn't Which, a lull with the movies. I'm sure Edgar Wright was like, you can't put her in my movie, and Disney's like, no, 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 she has a TV show that we need to support. <laughs> like, Edgar, you gotta work with us, man. And Edgar Wright's like, yeah. no, I'm gonna go hang out with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I mean, I think in the most recent years, like, Iron Man 3 with Pepper was good-ish. Like, it's, it's forgettable, I guess. Like, that... Iron Man 2, for me, anyway, is like, oh, I forgot that that happened. Um, <laughs> I remember them all every day. I know, I they're live, etched I in your brain. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think, like, as you go along, I think Black Panther was obviously a huge turning point, And Gardens of the Galaxy, to an extent, um, with Gamora and and Nebula. But it those also felt, like, very... I think in the Guardians 1, they felt very stereotypical in terms of, like, how you see them. Like, of course they have to fall in love with Chris Pratt and, you know, whatever. Well, I mean, Jessica Moore does. Well, Nebula. yeah, Jessica Moore, not Nebula. But, I mean, Nebula is, like, the work. Like, she, she has no dimension other than she's like, I hate you, my sister. And, like, that's her I mantra. Mean, if you were raised, and you do have a sister, if I'm not mistaken. I do. 
uh, if you were raised by your genocidal father to murder each other every day, like, wouldn't that kind of, like, raise a, breed a little bit of hate between the two of you? Oh, of course, but I mean, uh, the fact that you're still pitting two women against each other, <laughs> and that's, that's the relationship you see, is not ideal. I, I mean, sure, it's not as, but... Uh, but what I'm saying is, like, uh, overall like representation, it's yes. It's important to the Thanos uh, legacy. Like, yes. And I, guess, to hate this guy. I, I understand that it builds, too, and that it changes and evolves, and both of them have... Like, I think Nebula actually is an amazing character. Through, like, later on, I think they kind of do her dirty in, toward the end and Endgame, but uh, at least you're seeing a little bit more change and, and more of their story and their perspective, which I feel like isn't the case for so many of the others. But... Um, so I, I have a couple um, couple more questions. Uh, Go for it. So t- re- regarding the future, um, so the next two uh, movies in which have been delayed because of the coronavirus uh, are the Eternals and uh, Black Widow. And Black Widow was supposed to come out two days ago. It is literally killing me that I have <laughs> not seen this movie. It has been on so many calendars that reminded me that uh, I will not be watching it, which is very <laughs> upsetting. Um, but both of these are uh, directed by uh, female directors, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And uh, what do you think, like, after your two-year break from Marvel in 2015 and 2016, do you think, what do you think uh, these two movies kind of launching the next 10 or 20 years of Marvel is going to do? Like, how do you think these are going to stack up against what has already been told? I mean, I, I think I... I hope that they have a better perspective. I do love Chloe Zhao, who's going to be directing The Eternals. Um, I honestly don't really know too much about The Eternals, like, it, it, the plot or, like, what it's really going to deal with. I know it's obviously, it's, like, Angelina Jolie and, like, a huge amount of people in it. They but are, they are uh, basically kind of like the Celestials. They were gods for a while uh, in the MCU, um, like, way, like, 5,000 years ago, like, long, or years and years ago. Uh, and... At some point in the comics, they turn into human and they go incognito and kind of hide until the day where they need to come back and protect humanity again from whatever cause. And theoretically, what they're doing is the snap uh, or the blip returning of people to society has caused them to come out of hiding and they re- remember who they are, and etc. That's so basically the problem. Wasn't enough to rouse them. <laughs> No, because they didn't remember. They basically they were just humans uh, or gods living in human bodies who did not remember who they were. See, that's and cool. Then, yeah, I'm down for that. It's a very fun concept, and uh, the uh, the franchise or the version of the comics that uh, the this movie is based on is a short mini series of like six or eight comics um, that were written in the '80s or '90s. Um, but because the Eternals go way back, but this sort of retelling of it uh, is the most. Uh, recent and that is what the movie will be based on which I'm excited for and yeah. Kamel Nanjiani like We've got I, I ripped as some, hell. <laughs> there's some great casting decisions like I'm very excited to see all of that yeah and I, I don't know if you've seen Chloe Zhao's like first film uh, The Rider but it's such a totally different kind of film it's okay. about a, a, a rancher and his horse I, I saw commercials for that at uh, one of the local movie theaters. But it's like a really intimate, really upsetting story, honestly. So it, it'll be interesting to see just even visually what this movie looks like, because obviously it has to be within the realm of Marvel. So it's going to... Who knows? Honestly, who knows? Because I feel like uh, Taika Waititi has kind of changed like what the 
um, what the color scheme of Marvel can yeah. look like in recent years. Because as much as I love Winter Soldier, it is pretty dour because it's meant to look like a spy thriller in DC. Yep. So sure. I think I, I think maybe they'll be more. Uh, maybe they may be more colorful. I don't know. Um, but it'll be interesting to see just that kind of story from a woman's perspective. I don't think that you know women should only tell women's stories. I just think it because we've heard so much from from men. I feel like it's time just to hear somebody else, regardless of what the story is about. So I'm just excited to see that some like a super indie director like that is getting such a huge, huge like movie with megawatt people in it. So. And the other thing is, I, I've also just kind of been an advocate. Like, I don't think it matters who is directing the movie because Kevin Feige has so much creative control over all of it. <laughs> it's true. It's not going to mess up the franchise at all. Like, they're basically the directors day to day, and then Kevin Feige will kind of like look at all the progress they did at night, and he won't sleep. And then he will be like, okay, here's what you need to change and tie it to the universe. Otherwise, you know, have fun. Take the reins. I think in the latest phase, it's just interesting to see how how much creativity they've afforded those kind of, like, visionary directors. Uh, I, I think, like, obviously Black Panther showed so much of, like, what Ryan Coogler could do and tell, like, a full world-building story that not any of the real like even Thor hadn't really been able to do that with Asgard like Asgard still felt like something you'd seen somewhere else I feel like Black Panther was so unique and interesting and everyone felt like a fully blown person um yeah and and especially the women in that movie like obviously you have like the Chadwick Boseman and all of these other amazing actors to contend with and you still remember all of what Lupita did and uh Shuri and everything. I, I just think it's su- such an interesting mesh of people, and that's like the the ideal of what could happen in these stories going forward. But it, who knows? Who knows? Okay, so you are, you're optimistic about uh, these two movies kind of launching the next uh, ten or so years. I mean, uh, yes, I, I think I, uh, even in in just uh, Black Widow, you have Rachel Vice, Queen amongst us all. Um, <laughs> Florence Pugh, also princess oh, amongst us all. So, so like, good. I have such so such high hopes. As much as I'm like not a huge fan of Scarlett Johansson, honestly, outside of uh, Black Widow, I, I am I'm really hopeful that this story will be super interesting because it's something we've been waiting for and we like we've needed this story for so long. It just sucks that the timing now even is worse than it ever was. Sure. So. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, just a couple uh, wrap-up questions because we are reaching the end of our time. Uh, what, uh, just overall, what was your take on Endgame and how it kind of? We had you for so brief a uh, time on the Endgame post-game podcast that I kind of just wanted to have an uninterrupted um, feed of your opinion of that overall movie and how it tied together the whole universe. Um, I I liked it a lot. There were issues I had with it, as I discussed on that other podcast. Um, it was literally perfect. I, as as you remember, uh, I had qualms with the fact that Black Widow sacrificed herself, even though we didn't really know her all that well, for that to be super, super meaningful. And I mean, we did know her since Iron Man Two. She'd been around for yeah, a while. Yes. You should have had a standalone before her sacrifice. It, exactly. Like it just doesn't make sense to do it out of order like that. I think. Have you, uh, Ali? Have I told you my theory about the? Uh, Chris or Captain America going back and returning the stones and the soul for his soul on Vormir, and she's not really dead because he's going to put the stone back and she'll come back. Yes, um, I I think 
That also taps into one of my other, like, somewhat controversial thoughts, which maybe you're not going to expect because of my love for Captain America. But I do think it's, like, slightly fucked up that he goes back in time. He's like, eh, I'm done with this. And then he goes back in time, meets up with Peggy, and basically re, like, restarts her entire life that had her own agency and choice and just like you're stuck with me now baby oh but that was the life <laughs> both of them wanted since captain america wanted i know settled for being the world's first avenger and owning a shield organization i like i know but All also they was that dance i i know and i love them together but I think it's really fucked up that he goes back and rewrites her history because he uh, is still deeply in love with her. He doesn't know how she felt growing up after. She misses him. I know. She, I know I she mi- she misses him, obviously, but, like, they never even, like, had sex. Like, how the fuck do you know? Uh, it's just that chemistry. The, the build-up. The, the, the cynic in me know, is You upset. know the post-credits of that movie was totally that fucking. Yeah. But, I mean, the cynic in me is like, this sucks. But the romantic in me is like, of course I love it. This is what I wanted from day one. All right, so so what did you tear up more toward? That, them dancing together or the Tony Stark funeral? Um, well, I was more upset during the Tony Stark funeral because Black Widow didn't get a fucking funeral? Again, I don't think she's dead. (laughs) Plus, they had other shit that they were doing when she died. They were trying to save half of the universe I, I understand but why does he get like a send off with like little boats and things floating and she gets nothing she got uh <laughs> I mean they all mourned her they mourned her for 0.3 seconds there also was probably like another alright so and the, and the thing, thing is think about this. Consider, it, <laughs> consider this consider this there are there were six Avengers alive or whatever, however many uh, when she died and they know her sacrifice. But then everyone else who's been gone for five years are like, Tony Stark brought us all back like it was him. We don't know what happened in those five years. We can't really vouch for whatever happened in those five years. And we definitely can't celebrate anyone who, you know, sacrificed themselves in those five years. There'd be too many people. But what's even more upsetting isn't she? She was the face of Shield when it was uh, during the Sokovia Accords when everyone was pointing fingers and blaming people so she gets to be the face of the blame of shield but she doesn't get to be the salvation of the universe as she deserves she, i think in the every you know all the the avengers who are still alive i think they get and again she's getting her own movie so i'm gonna wait like oh wow think, one movie after three iron know, man movies because again i don't think she's dead i think she will return that she's too strong of a character and marvel like kind of needs that right now like strong female leads yeah, I don't know. Which, I that I, that, that made me like, that made me bitter and upset. I was and I think that's what distracted me. I was still upset about Tony dying, but I was more upset of like, whoa, hold on, we just had would you, two major would you rather deaths. have had uh, Hawkeye jump off the cliff. Yeah, who gives a fuck about Hawkeye? His family. Okay, great. His daughter is gonna get her own movie anyway, so like she's fine. Not without Hawkeye, the movie is about Hawkeye teaching his daughter. <laughs> I don't know. I just think uh, that you there's so many so many kind of like tertiary male characters that like obviously the sacrifice merits like somebody worthy, but the thing is like you hadn't made Black Widow worthy enough yet because you didn't have the full backstory on her life in order to make that sacrifice worth it. Whereas you have three Iron Man movies devoted to his arc, his arc reactor and his arc I think 
also there are because of this uh, pandemic there are now five Marvel movies MCU movies planned on being released in 2022 as opposed to the wow yeah five can you imagine it's gonna be like Christmas all year especially after not having access to them uh, hold on I can read off the schedule real quick and then we'll uh, that's a sign lot off. I know we're gonna be that's bit- a lot of ticket money Jordan is gonna be oh <laughs> ticket money you're gonna be a lawyer at that point Jordan no, I won't. Uh, why don't we do a mini segment of Jordan's Law Corner while I'm pulling this up? Okay, so the segment is that <laughs> then I'll be in my second year during that. E- well, second and third, I guess. Uh, and that's wait, how one. long do you? Is it? I thought it was two years, or is it four? three years? It's four years. Three. Three years. Three years. Okay. Uh, very good then. Um, pulling up this list. Uh, so right now. The 2022 movies are Thor: Love and Thunder in February. Doctor Sh- Love that title. Yeah, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in March. Back to back. Can you imagine seeing those two movies six week apart from each other? How fantastic is that? Uh, yeah. Um, Stoked. Then we also get uh, Black Panther two May six. That is the only date that has strong has not moved. They are. N- is it, it going to have a subtitle? I assume it's not just going to be called Black Panther two. Uh, it might, but as of right now, it's just called Black Panther two because I they technically they haven't announced like the whole. Even though Ryan Coogler's back, they're working on it. It's in pre production and May because they kind of stopped doing the numbering thing. Yeah, uh, it, it seems like they. Ha- well, I mean, after especially Thor, Thor that you don't want to. Yeah. It revealed that there's Thor four Thor movies, but they're also not saying Doctor Strange too. Correct. Uh, that is interesting too. I, I guess they're or Ant Man and Wasp. Ant Man and Ant Man too. Yeah, maybe they're kind of trying to uh, stray away from the guaranteed trilogy of each one in case one of them underperforms and they need. To... Well, and I also think they uh, they want people to know that they can go to see the movie without having seen one. Yeah. That's fair. That's good marketing. Um, also, after Black Panther 2, we have uh, Captain Marvel 2, July 8th, 2022. Um, and then Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is potential, or can potentially move, but right now that is also scheduled to come out that year. Five Marvel movies. And zero this year, though, right? Well, Black Widow's in November. Oh. Okay. I don't know so if I could live an entire year without a Marvel movie. Like if this, if something what do you think happens, would happen? if you think you just like wither, I, yeah, I think I deteriorate. Like <laughs> I've, I rewatch these movies pretty frequently, uh, and this is the fastest I've gone through them because I've been in quarantine just watching Marvel content. I'm already on. Like I started in January, and at this point, I'm already on Infinity War. Like, have it, you watched uh, Middle Ditch and Schwartz? Yes, all of them yeah. are great. So good. I love Big fan. I love the uh Ali, have you watched any of this uh long form improv? Okay. I highly recommend it. That should be what you do uh right after this podcast. <laughs> the uh I Jordan, I love the rock, paper, scissors bit. Where they play rock, paper, scissors. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, I know what you're gonna do, you gave away what you're gonna do. And you could t- he's totally in his head. The way the they managed to make the narratives like wrap around and like everything that they've sprinkled in throughout somehow turns in. It's always so satisfying just to see it all locked together. Like the ghost in the first one. Yeah, it is like, it's just such a silly one off moment (laughs) that becomes fantastic television. Um, 
But I guess that about wraps us up. Uh, Allie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We'd definitely love to have you on again, uh, maybe to discuss Black Widow in the future. All right, well, I've been Jordan Peoples, and Marvel has sucked. Uh, I have been Cade Weiberg, and no, it doesn't.